Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to another edition of Argyle Chat and another win for Argyle this weekend. At the moment though, Chris, we could do a few emergency loans ourselves, just me and you here this week. The sports desk is very low in numbers at the moment. Yes, just the two of us, Jack, but we were both at the game on Saturday, so we're, we're well placed to talk about the game and uh, you know some of the talking points. So first of all, overall, what did you make of the game on Saturday? It was a very important win, wasn't it? Puts Argyle level on points with Gillingham in the table, moved them up uh, from 24th to 22nd. And puts them in a pack now of teams that are, are vying to get uh, clear of the relegation places. I think they're three points behind Doncaster in 18th. And from where they were uh, in early October, when they were sort of six points adrift of relegation places, that's um, clearly an improvement. Lots of work to be done. An important win, though. And, uh, you know, there's not many better ways of winning the game than a 90th minute match winner, which is what uh, Tamani Dear Garag came up with. And... Uh, Certainly, uh, there was a lot of noise around Home Park after that, and it was a bit tense though in the in the closing stages, very, wasn't it? Very much so. It's, it's one of those games where, you know, we, we said beforehand actually, didn't we? Whenever there's a big crowd, the way football works sometimes is you don't always get the best performances. But there was two thousand seven hundred DGM children there, and I think on the on the way the game ended, they'd have gone home very happy. And it's a big sign of their character, I think, in the team that the fact they dug in after conceding a late equaliser and they managed to pull something out of the bag, and it was. It was an interesting goal to see to, to, to my Diarraga set up himself, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did really. I mean, <laughs> when you saw Tom Eve score in the 84th minute for Gillingham and, and the way he did as well, it was a fantastic finish from, from him. And then, you know, Gillingham had been sort of on the attack as they would be because they were 1-0 down and they were trying to get back in the game. And you thought, oh, crikey, you know, could Argyle you know, struggle to hang on for a draw here? Um, but uh, uh, it was a good finish from Diarraga in the end. Um, it was a bit scrappy and it won't win goal of the day, goal of the month, goal of the season. But, uh, you know, come May, when you look back at the season, that goal might might prove to have been really important for Argyle. It was important as well because Gillingham are so near them in the table. They proved mm-hmm. that against Northampton in the last home game before that in the league. And it's too, you need to beat those teams around you, don't you, when you're fighting for those points. Yeah, and if you take the cup competitions out of things, because it slightly gets masked by the, the FA Cup and the Checker Trade Trophy, it's uh, four wins and a draw in the last seven league games for Argyle, and that's that's a good return. You know, um, thirteen points from seven games um, is very good from where they were. So league form wise, things are improving. Mm. They've played against teams like Gillingham and Northampton as well that they needed to beat. Uh, they also beat Wimbledon as well. Yeah. I think um, if Barron was here with us today, he would point out that quite a while on the a while ago on the podcast and online as well he did a piece three must win games for Argyle yes and he picked out Wimbledon Northampton and Gillingham and they've won all three of those so you know that's uh, that's a good sign for Argyle definitely is and we're having to get used to seeing a different goalkeeper yes. every time we go and watch Argyle at the moment the yeah. latest man Keller Roos yeah. we spoke to him after the game well you mm. spoke to him after the game I should mm-hmm. say and he seemed quite the character he was yeah and, and why not mm. you know he'd um, 
he'd been expecting to be in Holland at the weekend um, because he wasn't expecting to be playing for Derby. So I think he was all booked and ready to go to Holland. And then Thursday afternoon, he got the call that uh, said, uh, no, you're going down to Plymouth, not Holland. Um, so he ended up down there, one training session with Argyle and, and straight into the team. Um, yeah, there were some good lines from him. Um, I did one piece with him over the weekend talking about the game. Uh, do another piece with him for online later, just about, you know, some interesting lines he came out with. I thought one of the best lines was that he, you know, how did he find out about his teammates? Well, he, he got the match program and he had to read through and learn their, learn their names from that. So I thought that was quite uh, quite good. He's, he's, as everyone that was at Home Park saw on, on Saturday, he's a big guy. Um, wasn't perfect. Um, you know, the, the shot that Eves, I thought, scored from that crossed the line from where we were sat, but lots of people didn't think it crossed the line. I think he might have done better with that one, but made a very important save at the end. And, you know, on his debut, after one training session with Argyle, I thought he gave a good account of himself. And Derek Adams recognised the fact that it's very difficult for someone to come into that position. Mm. And he's seen it a few times this year with, you know, the likes of Remy Matthews and yeah. Will Mannion as well. But Kellerus didn't use that as an excuse, did he? He was very, I think, quite open and honest about yeah. his assessment after the game. Yeah, yeah. And, and communication is such a big part of a goalkeeper's, you know, assets when communicating with the defence. And, you know, you have to have a rapport and an understanding. I thought at times you could tell that the goalkeeper and the two centre-backs in particular weren't used to playing mm. with each other. And there were times when you thought the centre-back cleared the ball when you might have liked the keeper to come and get it, and vice versa. Um, but at least now they've got a week in training to, to work on things, um, see how things develop between them, try and get an understanding before they go up to uh, Rotherham next Saturday. Yeah, you spoke briefly about Tom Eves' goal against mm. the one that did stand. Mm. Not many people will chip someone like Keller Roos, will they? Or lob the ball over No, him? no. And Keller Roos made the point that um, he was a bit off the line mm. when, it, when it happened. But as he made the point, you know, it, it was the way the ball bounced, it sat up. There was uh, Bradley and Eves going for the ball. I think he, was, he didn't want to be stuck on his line. The ball bounced in front of him and people say, well, why didn't you go and do something about it? Um, so he was anticipating uh, maybe Bradley stopping Eves or the ball not sitting up as, as perfectly as it did for Eves it was a great finish um, but yeah he was disappointed because a clean sheet on his debut would have would have made it the perfect day for him um, touching on the, the the goal that never was in the first half I mean I had lots of reaction on Twitter as I'm sure you did Jack you know about it lots of fans saying no it didn't cross the line and I, I you know I saw it with my own eyes at the time the press box at home park, if you don't know, is right at the back of the grandstand, yes. up high. And I felt we had a good view of that incident. And I felt quite confident and still do that the ball was over the line by some distance as well. Now, I know other people feel differently and we all sit in different parts of the ground and have different views of it. But from where I was sat, and I think all of us in the press box, didn't we, Jack? Yes, I don't really. think there was anyone in the press box who didn't think that was a goal. Well, doing the job that we do, you, yeah. know, you, you see Twitter. I, well, I tweeted it out. Mm, you, are you mm, tweeting something out? And mm. I think the people that run the yeah. other Twitter feed tweeted, tweeted out, and we all had the same view. Yeah. Again, it, people it see looked, things. It looked over the line and, and by some distance. Um, I'm a bit surprised that Gillingham didn't make more of it um, because I'd have been pretty aggrieved, especially as they had a similar incident in their previous game against Oxford, Oxford where the ball hit the bar bounced down, was over the line and spun out and the goal wasn't given. So, in, in, in my view, that's two games in a row where they've had goal, goals chalked off. Um, so I think Argyle did get, in my opinion, I thought they got lucky there because, you know, if they'd been 1-0 down after 15 minutes, that would have, uh, you know, could have led to sort of some, some negative sort of feelings a, a, around the team and around the fans. So, uh, 
the fact that they uh, they didn't concede then and took the lead in the 55th, 55th minute with Joel Grant, it, um, it it put the game more in the in their control. Well, we've spoken about how Argyle struggled with they conceded the first goal, and mm. that was definitely a turning moment. But Argyle haven't had the best of luck this year, and sometimes when you're at the bottom, mm. you've got to take that luck when it comes, don't you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, no one's been feeling sorry for Argyle when they've had seven different goalkeepers this season and six red cards, and their their main striker's been all out all season out with a broken ankle. No one's been sort of saying, "Oh, poor old Argyle, feel sorry for them. We'll we'll go easy on them." Um, you know, if you get if you get luck, don't be embarrassed to take it. You know, but make the most of it. Yes. And that was a good thing about Argyle was that they did, in my eyes, they did have a break that should have been a goal. They should have been behind, but they made the most of the let off by going on and winning the game two one. I mean, we I did talk to Derek Adams after the game about goal line technology and and you know because he said he he didn't have a view of the incident. You know, and, and you know he he would have been low down and you know wouldn't have been best Not place bodies to see in the it. way. Um, but I did ask him about the goal line te- technology because it, you, you're seeing it more and more in football, certainly in the Premier League, mm. uh, and, and video is going to become more and more, um, more, more and more common. He made the point, which you know you don't always appreciate, that League One and League Two clubs might not be able to afford it. Pure and simple. Um, now, if that's the case, maybe the EFL or the football authorities need to to look at things and say, do we really want? Um, some 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 sort of a two-tier system where the Premier League and the Championship, with money, do have goal line technology, and if you're in League One or League Two, you don't because you haven't got the money. That doesn't seem very fair or equitable, does it? So um, maybe you know the Premier League, FA, things like that need to sort of contribute some money to the clubs in League One yes. and League Two, so that they can have the same goal line technology that's coming in at the higher level. Because you know, although it worked for Argyle this time. Um, you know, if it goes against Argyle in an important game later in the season and we're sat here on the podcast saying, well, that ball definitely was over the line, but the referee didn't give it, it, it could have important consequences. And with so, the amount of money that is around in football, you know, if, if it happens in a game that gets you relegated, for example, it abs- could be absolutely ch- change the fortunes of the club too. No, absolutely. So, you know, video technology, we could we could have whole podcasts about video technology but uh, and where you introduce it and... and what have you, but I think I don't think it's unreasonable for EFL clubs to be a, in a position to be able to have goal line technology. Mm. You know, you don't have to have cameras in all corners of the stadium and grounds. All you basically need is the equipment in the two goals, and at least then you're getting the goal decisions right. And Steve Lovell, obviously, again, someone we spoke to after the game mm. was very much in favour of it. But again, mm. you, you, you mentioned to Derek Adams, didn't you, when you were speaking to him that? Maybe it should be a cost that should be looked at from higher up. Yeah. And he, he agreed that if, mm. if that was the case, no club would turn uh, it down. No, absolutely. And you know, clubs like Argyle aren't going to have money for goal line technology, so they might need a little bit of help. And there's a lot of money swelling around in the in the coffers of of uh, fo- football uh, football in the Premier League and the FI. And the, the next TV contract's going to be even mega bigger than the current one and yes. things like that. So, you know, you would like to think that you know for the greater good that something like that might happen. Well, we'll get to some questions. We've had plenty in. This one um, had no name attached to it, but it says, another poor decision with the substitution, bringing Songo on for the much-improving Grant. We invited Gilligan onto our already overworked defence. What does Adam see that the rest of us don't? Kerry was terrible today, not a team player, and gave the ball away time after time. Is this why he's still at home park and has not been snapped up by a championship team? So we'll break that down a bit. Quite a few different questions there. We'll start with Songo coming on. Obviously, Argyle were leading at the time. 
uh, we, we all thought on, in the press box there would be Taylor coming off, but mm. what did you actually think when the substitution happened? Did you agree with it? Um, well, it's, thanks for the question. It's always nice to have names, though. Yes. Um, um, because, one, we can talk to you directly, and, two, you know, we, we all have opinions, and the opinions are good, but if you've got an opinion, I think you, sh- you should, you know, put your name to it. Yes. So if, if people can do that, that would be, that'd be brilliant. Um, bring on, well, I... I, I we were talking during the game, and I would have brought on Jan Songo at that time in the in, in the game, um, no doubt at all, because you know the way the game was going, Gillingham were putting more men forward, they'd put an extra player up front, so um, you know it was a case of where are they going to sort of replace maybe David Fox and put Jan Songo in a straight swap? Um, was he going to take off Ryan Taylor, who it was his first uh, league start since the uh, opening day of the season, and? Um, you know, you thought Taylor might be the one that makes way, and they could have uh, juggled it around with Jervis going down the middle up front mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Um, I thought Joel Grant, yes, I agree, had, um, had a good had a good game, looked a good threat going forward, scored the first goal. Um, so um, I can see why, why why Derek Adams did it. To be honest, um, Songo shores shores things up. Yes, as it turned out, Gillingham then went on to equalise, but. At the time the substitution was made, yeah, I could see the uh, see the sense in that. Is it one of those cases where, as a manager, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't? They didn't change yeah. anything, and they can see. They said, "Well, why didn't you see the the, the threat?" Yes, absolutely, completely. Um, I'm trying to think of the game where uh, they made some substitutions, and um, you know, then people and it went wrong, and then people said, "Well, why did you do that sort of thing?" So you, you are you are damned if you do, damned if you don't. You make the decisions. I think bringing on Songo at that time of the game in the 77th minute was the right decision. Now, you could have taken off Taylor, you could have taken off Grant. Um, you know, the question we invited Gillingham onto already overworked defence. Um, that is part of Argyle's star. Yes. Um, you know, people. I know people don't like that. Uh, and I know Derek Adams doesn't want us to sit as deep as they do sometimes. But they are a counter-attacking team. And the, the theory is, is that when you've, you've invited the team on, then you, you attack and, and try and play on the break. Um, so... In terms of what does Adam see that the rest of us don't, he's he's looking to invite. It's like a boxer, you know. Not all boxers go on the front foot and just charge forward, mm. throwing punch after punch after punch at the opponent. Sometimes boxers go on the back foot, invite pressure on, and then when the opponents, you know, lashed out, pick them off. And that's what Argyle tries to do. Now you can have merits about should you be doing that in home games? You know, is is that really exciting football for for home fans? But you know, I, I suppose at the moment in the league, you know, four wins and a draw from the last seven is, is getting them results. So, uh, Just before we move on mm. to the Kerry part of this mm. question, again, mm. speaking to Steve Lovell after the game, mm. he was firstly quite surprised that Argyle gave his team so much of mm-hmm. the ball. Yeah. But what he did say, and whoever has in this question mm. asked about the overworked defence, is he stated that Argyle did their job so well that it stopped his team from being able to perform to the best of their ability. Mm. He was very high in their praise of the mm. defence, yeah. and, and, that, and that should be mentioned. But mm. Graham Carey is the next person that he talks mm. about. Mm. Has he hit a bit of a dip again? Do you think? Or um, I, I, I can't see how he was terrible on Saturday. I really can't. No, I can't agree with that at all. Um, he overplayed at times. He did try and do a little bit too much, um, but he's Argyle's best player and he's a, their best creative force. And sometimes, you know, he he's won games himself for Argyle mm. this season in the not too recent past. So, am I going to criticise him for trying to? To, to create a moment of magic, try and do something out of the ordinary, try and create an opening for Argyle. No, I'm, I'm not. You know, sometimes he's got to be more aware of, of what's going on and, and around him and his teammates and things like that. But um, look at 
what he did for the winning goal. That was a loose ball in the middle of the pitch. Now, I, I had comments from people saying, oh, he did terrible, he didn't do this, he didn't do that. There was a loose ball in the pitch in the 90th minute. Mm. There was a lot of Gillingham shirts in that area of the pitch. Any one of those could have reacted first and won that ball. Who was the player that got to the ball? Graham Carey. Not only did he get to the ball, he went, first thing he had in his mind in the 90th minute of the game, I'm going on the attack, I'm taking this ball forward. He ran forward, he put a good ball into the box, the Argaraga got a little bit lucky with the way the ball broke and put the ball in the back of the net. But none of that would have come about without Carey's you know, awareness, tenacity, attacking instincts. Um, he got the assist for the goal as he's got many assists this season. And then in the closing stages, he, he went back um, wide left and um, was playing out wide left. And he made two or three really good tackles, uh, tracking back inside his own defensive third, mm. making tackles, making blocks. Um, so I'm sounding like the Graham Carey fan club today, um, but trying to be objective and looking at it sensibly, he's raised, he raised the bar very high for himself with his performances on, in October. He was the Skybet the one player of the month. You know, he had an exceptional month. Has he dipped since then? Yes. But he got the assist for the winning goal on Saturday and was part of a, a team that got a really important win. So um, I know there'll be lots of people that disagree with me, but I thought he had a good game, and it's defensively worth point- and going forward. It's worth pointing out, you know, when he does score these magical goals, mm. you know, for every one of those, there's going to be times where he loses the ball. That's just natural. These players are playing in League One, aren't they, at the end of the day for a reason? Yeah, and if you try and do something audacious, ambitious... You know, it's not always going to come mm. off, and you've got to be prepared. You know, you, do you want, you know, eleven players in your team that that play safe all the time, or do you want eight or nine that play safe all the time, but one or two that are just prepared to do something slightly different, out of the ordinary, just to give you that little spark? Because, you know, we've spent a lot of this season saying that Argyle are a little bit sort of predictable and you know, you know, easy to work out for the opposition. Well, when Carey's trying things. Sometimes they come off, great, sometimes they don't. But um, he, did, he, he did overplay at times, I'm not saying that he didn't, um, but I don't think you want to criticise players of his ability for trying to do something creative and, and create a chance. And he, he created the winning goal. And we'll move on. I think you've written a piece about January, actually, Chris, mm. and we've had a few questions about that, mm. so I'll read them both and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Gary Palmer, first of all, thanks again, Gary, for another question. Mm. Looking ahead to January, mm. he says, it does without say, go, sorry, it goes without saying, Argonne needs strengthening in the forward and goalkeeping areas. Mm-hmm. I think the defence looks okay, but another creative midfielder is a priority. I think three new signings and three going out would be the way I would go. What are your thoughts? And I'll bring Mike's question in. Thank you, Mike. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that now that we have players coming back from injury with the transfer window looming, ever nearer, and Adams having the chance to bring in some new blood or offloading one or two, that we will start to push away from the relegation places. Does anyone share this view? And can we hope that Adams can attract the players we need, to, given the fact that we're already in a dogfight at the wrong end of the table? It's clear we need two, possibly three new faces to see us through the second half of the season. I trust that Adams has been doing his homework and having had a taste of first division football will know the type of player he'll need to bring in. So both Gary yeah. and Mike saying he thinks they think three, three new signings will, will do. You spoke to him a bit as well yeah. after the game, didn't you? Yeah, no, that's, that's a, a distinct possibility. Good points raised by Gary and Mike. I certainly agree with Mark, Mike's last point, you know, about Derek Adams knows more about League One now. Yeah. And you would hope that having had a half a season uh, in League One, he'll have a a clear understanding of, of what he needs in terms of bringing players into to the club. You know, three in, three out, that's not inconceivable at all. Um, you know, there's players that aren't getting first-team games, 
Ruben Ramirez is, is an obvious one. He um, went and had a trial game for Oldham Athletic in a behind-closed-doors game last week. So that's a pretty clear signal that uh, Derek Adams is happy for him to leave. Um, I think there's two or three others. Um, Nadia Shifchi, on loan from Celtic, was fit but didn't even make the 18 on Saturday. Nathan Blissett um, being picked in, mm-hmm. in preference to him. So you can only assume that the that is going to go back to Celtic in um, in January. Um, you know, and then you look at players that aren't getting a lot of game time at all. Jakub Sokolik is, is one that springs to mind. The centre back, he's he's had no real opportunities this season, and uh, I think it would be best for him and for Argyle. You know, if he if he you know tries and finds a club where he can play first team football, he's a he's a player that doesn't want to be not even making an, a match day eighteen at the stage of career he's at. So. Um, you know, if you if you take Gary's point, you know, goalkeeper, striker, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Sokolik, you know, might leave. So you might look to uh, make a replacement there. A little bit like Carly Osborne left last January, yes. didn't he? And, and uh, Sokolik came in. And, you know, it might be Sokolik going out and somebody else coming in to, to make sure you've got your four centre-backs. Striker, goalkeeper. Um, Creative-minded midfielder would be nice. But, again, it's it's... The priority you put to it because your creative-minded player is, is midfield player is Carey. Carey's always going to play um, unless he's injured or suspended. So, uh, have you got enough finances to be able to bring in a effectively a, a cover for Carey, um, but have the finances to do it when he might not necessarily be in the team if Carey's fit and playing well uh, all the time. So, um, yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting period, an important period. Uh, the one good thing about Argyle just sort of picking up a little bit recently is that they're not adrift at the bottom yes. so you can say to potential players look things have picked up a bit we need to try and you know strengthen the squad but there's no reason with the run of form that we're on why we can't get out of the bottom four the goalkeeper one obviously is going to be interesting as well isn't it because you know what what you, you, you with Luke McCormick injured again we don't know for how long um, you know you've you can't go into January and not do something about the goalkeeper yes. situation now. Whether it's Keller and if he does well in the next few games, or whether they try and get Remy Matthews back, or whether they turn to someone else, but you know that they've got to get the goalkeeper situation sorted out. Certainly, and, and mm. it's interesting to to because even though we can say quite fairly, I'd say that quite a few of the summer signings haven't worked out. Mm. Derek Adams still has a record with the likes of Graham Carey, the likes of Jake Jervis, who had never really settled before, mm. had always struggled to get goals, you know, and, and he's still turned their careers around. And I think he still has that to mm. sell to people. I wouldn't say yeah. just because I've struggled this year that he's got no selling points to Argo. And, you know, when you see a crowd of 12,000 turning out in League One, there might be players dying to play in that sort of environment. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, was, that was a big crowd. Now, yes, that, the, the DJM takeover um, contributed mm. to a large chunk of that, wasn't it? 2,700 kids, and I thought they created a Tremendous atmosphere. It was great to see the sort of barn park end quite full and uh, colourful. Colourful, and they made noise. And uh, you know, they're the, the fans of the future. Derek Adams made that point after the game. That you know, he, he thought he thinks it's a great initiative for the club, and uh, you know, to get people to come along. And you know, if you were a young lad um, and you came along and you saw our goal win two one in the ninetieth minute, and the Argyle goalkeepers had to make a save right in front of you at the end to preserve the lead, you know, you'd like to think they'd gone away and. Uh, had a good afternoon's um, entertainment. Fantastic. So we'll move on to, to another point. It's the FA Youth Cup. We'll talk briefly yes. about that. That's this Thursday. And I think you'll be there covering the match. And I think mm. Barron will be blogging Baron's the going, game. Yeah, yeah. You were here for the last time Manchester City mm. came down. What, what would you say to people that are debating whether they should come to this game? Because you've seen it before. Why should people turn up? 
Well, one, you know, it's the Argyle kids of the future. Not all of them are going to get into the first team. Um, in fact, probably not many will get into mm. the Argyle first team. But it's a massive game for them. I mean, is their equivalent of playing Manchester City in the in, in the F, in the FA Cup for the first team? Uh, we don't know what team City are going to send, but you know they are, you know, without exaggeration, one of the best academies in the world yes. in world football. So they are going to have some seriously, seriously good football players, including some of the members of the England uh, under-17 squad that won the uh, the World Cup earlier this year. So the opposition is a good draw for starters. Um, you're going to see some good players. But, you know, you, you think of these Argyle lads, this, this might be, for some of them, the biggest game of their careers ever. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a big, big occasion. I went in 2008, like you say, Jack, um, when City won 4-1. Manchester City weren't the Manchester City that they are now. They were a Premier League team and they were on the on their way up, but nothing like the world, you know, football power that yes, they're becoming now. Um, so there was 2,400 at Home Park in 2008, um, and it was a good occasion. And it'd be nice if you got a, a similar crowd to that. Of course, it's close to Christmas; could be a cold evening, um, and and people have lots of things to do uh, at Christmas. But um, it would be great for the kids to get along and, and see them. And, and, you know, again, looking back to the 2008 game, Argyle had Joe Mason and Ashley Barnes playing for him on that particular night. You know, Ashley Barnes is in the Premier League now. Mm-hmm. Joe's gone and had a really good career in the Championship. And then Manchester City had some really talented players. And again, that's one piece I'll be working on later in the week. But um, I think it, five of their starting line that, that day have gone on to become full internationals. Two more of the subs have become full internationals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just to pick out some of the names, uh, Daniel Sturridge is perhaps the, the key one that played for Man City that day. He's gone on and plays for Liverpool and England. Uh, Vladimir Weiss, who's been capped over 60 times for Slovakia at full international level, was in their team. Dedrick Boyato, who's a regular for Celtic in the uh, Scottish Premiership in the Champions League, he was at the back for them, alongside a guy called Ben Mee, who plays for Burnley in the Premier League and is a teammate of Ashley Barnes. Um, so they had some had some really good players. Kieran Trippier as well, wasn't that? Kieran Trippier, yes, who recently Listed played for England, and you know, so that was the team Man City had then. And look at how those players have all gone on to become mm. names in in um, in senior football. So you know, imagine in three or four years' time, you know, you can say, well, I saw A, B, and C playing for Manchester City against Argyle. But it's not just Manchester City. It's, it's I think you know, it's good for Argyle. Of, you know, they'll be delighted to get to the third round of the Youth Cup, and then they've got this plum draw mm. and what a great opportunity if you're a 16 or 17 year old apprentice at Argyle and you're playing at home park against Manchester City against some you know international players of the current and, and in the future it's a fantastic occasion so I would encourage people to to get along and it's, it's going to be a busy week at home park because one other thing that I always like going to um, is the Argyle Carol concerts on the Wednesday night um, at the Devonport end and that's always a good occasion. Lots of families turn up. And um, so Wednesday night, Carol concerts at seven o'clock. Thursday night, Argyle Manchester City FA Youth Cup, seven o'clock as well. So it's, um, you know, plenty to look forward to at uh, Home Park this so week. So people haven't, they better start dusting off their thermals because it, be, it might be pretty chilly. Definitely, yeah. And going back to the first team, then it's mm. Rotherham next up. Yes. And, you know, they've, they've been doing it okay this season, mm. turned it around at the weekend. I think they were 1 0 down. Yeah, they were. 2 1. Yeah. 
a big game though, another long trip, mm. big game, and obviously Ben Perrington will be a familiar face. Yes, he's been out injured. He was he was he's been out injured with a hamstring mm. injury since September, and he's on his way back. And uh, I, I haven't had a chance to properly check, but I suspect this game might come a little bit too soon for him to be in the in the starting lineup. But um, it'd be good to hopefully see Ben maybe maybe in the squad or or what have you. Yeah, I mean, Rotherham, that was a big big win for him at Blackpool yes. on Saturday. Um, they were 1-0 down. Kelvin Mellor scored an absolute screamer Fantastic for Blackpool, goal, did you see? Yes, I did. Um, a cracking goal for, for them. And then, um, I think it was two late goals for Rotherham from David Ball, who, coincidentally, was another of that Manchester City team that played against Argyle in the Youth Cup in 08. Um, got them the win. And I think Rotherham had been on a, a bit of a sticky run up until then. Um, their results hadn't been the best. And, and that was a really important for a win because they've slipped into the lower lower half of the table and Rotherham having been in the championship last season their ambitions will be to get promoted this season so um, the run they've been on would have been a concern for them so they'll be hoping to use that as a springboard to better things so that will make life a little bit more tricky for Argyle they've also got Kiefer Moore who's one of the hottest prospects in the yeah. football league at the moment no he's a, he's a, he's a good goal scorer and mm. it's not that long ago he was playing for Torquay and um, Truro down in this part of the world um, and he just seems to be one of those late developers who's just, you know, clicked into gear. He's at Ipswich, but on loan to Rotherham. And uh, I remember when he signed for Ipswich and everyone mm. sort of was taken aback yes. by that. But yeah. the season he's had this year shows yeah. the potential that he has. Yeah, I mean, you'd imagine that in January that, that Ipswich might well want to take him back and have a look at him during January mm. and, and see if they feel that he, they can do a, he can do a job for them in the, in the Championship. They've got some good players, you know. They've, they've come down from the Championship. They had a, a terrible season last, last year. There's no getting away from it. But they would have hoped with the acquisitions they made in the summer that they'd have been pushing to go back up again this season so having had a bad run they turned it around on Saturday with the win against Blackpool they'll look to uh, to uh, to get another win against Argyle but like I say Argyle you know the league form is decent at the yes. moment you know and if you you know you can talk about performances and styles of play and the cup defeats and things like that but the league form you know 13 points from the last seven now if you can re- replicate that in the next seven games They'll, they'll be outside the bottom four, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, so that's a target for them to aim to. Yes, you know, it will be a difficult game, but you know, they have won away from re- home recently, so I wouldn't be, um, you know, I'd be hopeful they can go up there and get a positive result of, of one, you know, a draw or a win. It's worth pointing out they went to Wigan and mm. no one expected much, and they really, mm. they, they lost 1 0, but they really grind out a result. Mm. Blackburn, they've drawn, they beat Bradford yeah. in their ground. So yeah. there's no reason why any fans that are going to this game shouldn't hope for something. No, I mean, game. you know, it'll probably be another Argyle away game where they're, they're under pressure and mm. they have to do a lot of defending. But, um, you know, there's, there's signs of more goals coming from the team. You know, their last two home games, they've got two against Northampton. Two against Gillingham. They were struggling to get more than one, weren't they? But that, that is, know, again, it's an improvement. You know, so our goals come in. I mean, you don't want to you get carried away too soon because, you know, they're, they're certainly not out of the, of the woods by a long street. But it does feel that things are just beginning to sort of, you know, click into gear. I think I read somebody saying we're turning the corner, very a very wide turn of the corner, but we're turning the corner. And that's probably a good way yeah. of doing it that um, it's not as quick and as rapid as people would like but it does feel that they've got things going in the right right direction now the important thing is you know we're coming up to Christmas and New Year there's four games in ten days over Christmas and New Year you know that can dramatically impact yes. the course of your, your season uh, going into the second part of the campaign 
Well, I think that draws everything nicely to a close there. Thanks good, good. to everyone for listening. Thank you, Jack. Um, keep an eye on our website. We're going to have plenty coming up in the next plenty few of, days. Yeah, plenty of stuff on the Youth Cup. Um, there's going to be a good feature on um, the Argyle Youth Squad of 08 and where they are now. Um, we've got one of those members of that team doing a, a nice little piece for us. I'm looking at the uh, the Manchester City squad from that night. We'll, we'll preview the game itself. Kevin Hodges, the academy director, is going to have a press conference on Wednesday and he'll talk about the game. So I think for the first part of this week, you know, there'll be a little bit of focus on the FA Youth Cup and I think quite rightly so. Yes, That's a, a chance to, to put the young lads in the spotlight and good luck to them on Wednesday. I hope they go out and, you know, uh, Thursday, go out and do themselves justice and really enjoy the occasion. And then towards the end of the week, we can obviously start looking forward to the, to the game at Rotherham and hopefully another Argyle win. Busy days ahead. Well, thanks mm-hmm. to everyone again for asking the questions. Make sure you keep doing that for the next week's podcast. And hopefully we'll, we'll have a few extra members. Yes, hopefully. Hopefully we'll, we'll be a bit strengthened in numbers ourselves. We're always happy to hear from you. And if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account at Herald PAFC or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.